Welcome to the teaching ministry of Faith Bible Church. We pray as you listen to the following message, you will be encouraged and equipped to passionately pursue Christ. For more information, please visit our website at fbcevansville.com. All right, this morning, we're going, I've asked Alex to share a little bit about a major trial that he and his wife have gone through. Good morning. I think it's on. One, two, three. Yeah. Uh, Pastor Ernie asked me a couple of weeks ago if I can just share our little testimony that my wife and me and our kids been going through just recently. For those who don't know, um, we've been expecting a little girl. She's been developing really well. Everything been going through the pregnancy. Everything was good. And then uh, the due date, we arrived at the hospital and... Uh, in the beginning, everything been seems like everything under control. And then uh, all of a sudden, her heartbeat start going down, down, down. Doctors tried to intervene and help. But when they did emergency C-section, they pulled baby. Pretty much she was dead. There was no heartbeat, no nothing. So uh, this is where we've been going through uh, in my life. I'm... This December, I'll be 40 years old. I've been Christian since 2007. Um, I, even though I grew up in Christian home, my parents always taught me the right way, but I actually accepted Jesus as Lord at age 30 here in Evansville. And when you hear something like this happening with other people, you kind of like sympathize them. Yeah, I understand. I don't know how you've been going through this. But when it's actually happening to me, it's, it was so different. Uh, I remember when all nurses and everybody start to prepare Tanya for emergency C-section, all this chaotic situation. I understood in the back of my mind, it's something wrong, something wrong. But what is it? Did the baby gonna leave? Did my wife gonna be all right? So I remember I've been sitting there in the emergency area triage and I'm just sitting on the chair by the receptionist and I don't know what to think and um, I remember the alarm been sounding so you know, alarmed all individuals, all staff to come in fast because there's something wrong going on so I've been just sitting and praying God I don't know what's going on I, I'm in your hands please help me, please help me but what I learned through this trial, I'll go a little more in details, but mainly what I learned, it's God proved to me that I'm his child one more time. Assurance of my salvation. Sometimes, you know, we can doubt, uh, do I'm really born again or I'm not. Or I never really had those struggles, but through this trial, God showed me, like, I'm your father, you my child. No matter what's going on in life, you with me. So um, in First Peter one three eight, we read, Blesses the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And then He continues that you know we have new creation, we have inheritance. And then verse six says, In this you Rejoice, though now, for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. So the test of genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perish, though it's tested by the fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So he tells us, your faith will be tested. So it's just... Because you're Christian, this is what you're going to go through. Peter, 1 Peter 4.12 says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. I mean, I'm not necessarily been going through those verses when I was sitting there. But one thought that I have so clearly in my mind that God loves me. God loves me. I don't know how, I, I'm sure God uses his spirit to energize those thoughts that 
I'm his child, he loves me. Even though what I'm going through, I'm not sure the outcome, but he loves me. And then, you know, we know those Psalms, David uh, wrote 23, even though I walk through the valley of a shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. So, when we been talking with the personnel, doctors, when they try to, it's so uncomfortable for them to come and tell me, a young father, that your daughter is dead. She's not alive. And I can tell by their faces and how they nervous and worry and how I'm going to approach, how I'm going to respond. But, you know, we, we understood this is God for us, designed this trial, we're going to accept it. And I think this is, was the, the victory, because if in that moment, in the really beginning, if we would start getting a different track, why, why, what's wrong, why to me, then I would have this disturbance. But because we said, you in control, you allow us to go through this, we'll, we'll, we'll take it, even though it's so painful and we don't understand a lot of things. But I think because of this attitude, God gave us peace. And doctors and nurses and everybody, they saw that. And one particular man, he come to us several times. He said, you guys are so strong. You're so strong. Especially came next day to my wife and spent, I don't know, 20 minutes or so talking to her, tried to comfort her. And he's been sitting and crying and saying, I want this string. What do you guys have? So, and we, Tanya told him, it's not us. We don't have strength. We people, but it's our Jesus, the cornerstone, the, our foundation. He's a solid rock. On Christ the solid rock I'm standing. And, and I think they noticed that. Um, what helped me, it's a lot of people send us all kinds of text messages that we're praying for you. A lot of you from Faith Bible, people from where we used to live in Washington State. And one, uh, one my friend from Rockford, Illinois, Tim, he sent me just a song. He said, uh, we with you, we're praying. And then he sent me this song. When I fear my faith will fall, Christ will hold me fast. When the temper would prevail, he will hold me fast. I could never keep my hold through life's fearful path. For my love is often cold. He must hold me fast. And God used this man to send this particular song. I bought it on iTunes and I downloaded it. And it's been, you know, all this time over and over and over. He will hold me fast. He will hold me fast. And then it says, for my Savior loves me so. He will hold me fast. And then, you know, the other verses says, but, you know, for my sin, he bled and died. So it's kind of your mind goes from what's going on here on the other. Little girl, she's in heaven. Why have to worry? It's painful. Yes. My sin's forgiven. Yes. He will hold me fast. He'll be with me, with my wife. And I, I'm so thankful that me and Tanya, we had this harmony. That it was not like, I'm trying to calm things down, and she's so, you know, uh, emotionally unstable. No, we both kind of like look each other's eyes. God is with us. And we read all kinds of stories, you know, from people when they've been in concentration camps and different trials. And we like, it's kind of something like this we're experiencing right now. So it's just God used other people to help me. Um, Then there was a temptation, like, after funeral, next day, we woke up, and we had this little breakfast in my house, and Tanya was there, my sister and me, and Tanya came, and she said, but what if, what if, what if doctors would do this C-section, like, maybe an hour before that, or 30 minutes, what, what if? And I think the biggest deal, what Satan wants us to do, to start doubting God, and then... I remember my sister kind of explained. She said, remember when Jesus stood before the pilot? And Pilate says, why are you not answering to me? Do you know I can go and take your life away or I can release you? And Jesus looked at him and said, 
You wouldn't have no control over me unless it would be given. So when we start talking about, I said, look, God, he was in control of every single cell and molecule of the whole universe. Doctors, everything what's been going on inside of the womb, little girl. He was in 100% absolute control. So when I'm saying, what if, I'm saying, if I would be a God, I would do things a little bit differently. And when we start just dwelling on that, that he was in 100% control. So why have to worry? It's kind of if a movie producer who designed that he want to do this certain movie and he wrote the, the script and one day he gave it to the actors to play it out. If before Foundation of the World, he knew that Alex and Tanya are going to go through this on March 11, 2018. How am I going to question this? I just have to accept and go through. And when we start thinking about this sovereignty and his total control, immediately peace comes to your mind. So all those doubtful thoughts, they just go away. And I remember I told Tiny, the devil, he's a liar. He's a liar. He's a father of lies. He wants you to believe this lie. But we shouldn't. We should believe God and his truth. And uh, one thing where I can say, we should deposit the truth to our mind while we have a good time in life. I mean, without troubles. I remember we, we, me, I heard so many sermons from John MacArthur, different pastors. We read a lot of books. We already have this foundation in us about election, about sovereignty. But, so when trial came, we had something deposited already. You never know when it's going to hit you, but you already, your fuel tank is full. And God then just use it to comfort you. If we don't, then it's, it's, very, it's going to be hard. Um, one final thing. I remember my friend, good mentor. When I first became Christian, he helped me a lot. He called me and he said, Alex, don't try to overprotect your wife. Like if she want to talk to people and cry and tell them and let her do this. This is how people heal. And he said, don't try to just put her in a bubble and let everybody stay away from her. This is how she's going to get better and heal. And, I, and I'm glad he told me this. But uh, the one thing, I think it's a very awkward situation because like we even like here among you guys, we come to our congregation and this aroma of death comes with us it's kind of, and people don't know, they really want to say something, but they're not sure, should I say it or not? I would say just even, and a lot of people did, they just come and look. Nice to see you. Nice to see you. Because it's really true, you cannot really comfort or do something, but just this acceptance, it's not like, Now we're not part of the family or anything like this, but this kind of aroma, like I said, it comes with you. I mean, now it's a little bit different, but I, I learned for myself, if I see some people going through some, I don't have to say too much or do too much, just give them a hand, say, nice to see you. Yeah, so I think it's really been helpful. You know, the Romans twelve fifteen says, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. And we had a lot of support from you, from Faith Bible, from Pastor Ernie, everyone. A lot of people reach out to us. We felt how much God loved us. When we moved to Evansville five years ago and we tried to develop friendships with people and sometimes we were like, oh, maybe we don't have friends like we used to have. Through this, God showed us how many people, from workplace even, care and love and really ready to step up and, and help. So. Name, our little girl, her name was Monica. Monica, we still, when people ask us, how many kids do you have? We tell them three, but one of them passed away. It's okay, we have a little picture at home. She's part of the family. And 
we visit the cemetery quite often on the way home. Anybody have any questions, maybe? We have James, he's six years old, and little girl Karina, she's three. One thing about kids, I remember when one of our friends from Faith Bible, she called me, she said, Alex, would be a good thing if you take your kids, bring them to the hospital, let them meet the little Monica. Because I was like, do I really need to do this? And she said, it's not my business, you can do however you want it, but would be good for them to start to understand. She's, they, you guys have been waiting for her. And I, I think for James, he was like, well, I don't want to go there to see the dead person. Why well, don't want to go? And I understand him. He was sad, but we kind of tried to tell him. Karina, she came and, you know, spent time. We took pictures, but I think it was a good for them to understand what mom and dad going through and, you know, Yes, ma'am. It was. Yes, ma'am. What other questions? Thank you. Thank you, Alex. Alex and Tanya are special people. We love them. They're those little little Karina. She's just a precious little thing. My goodness, you gotta, you got to definitely see her sometime, if you haven't. But that was quite a uh, funeral service we had here. And I took a picture from over on the side of the whole family up here in a little casket here, and you can, you can see little Monica laying in that casket. I'm so glad I took that picture because, uh, I don't know, it's just a great memory. So, Well, <clears throat> losing a loved one, wh- whether they're... Like Monica, like just newborn or miscarriage, or uh, whether you have children who passed away in their youth. Uh, my mom and dad lost a 18-year-old, 32-year-old son, and an 18-year-old daughter within two years of each other. And you have to ask why, but um, that's hard. It's very hard. Some of you have lost loved ones, at least temporarily. And that's the hope that we have in Christ, right? That Jesus is with us and he's with them. And um, going into the arms of Jesus is an amazing thing that we all have to look forward to. And uh, who knows when it'll come. It doesn't matter if you're three years old or 93 years old. So, okay. Um, But these are trials. We're talking about handling Difficult times, whether it be something outside of us or something inside of us, trials, trusting God through trials. That's what Habakkuk is doing. That's what Habakkuk is all about. I'm sure you've been tried. This morning, if you're reading through, we read Genesis 39 and 40, and I thought about Habakkuk and the teaching that is in the book of Habakkuk. Joseph was tried in two severe ways. Number one, he was falsely accused. Have you ever been falsely accused? I have. That is not an easy trial, to be falsely accused. Because Potiphar's wife, you know, she accused Joseph of doing what he did not do. Falsely accused. And then the next trial was that he was forgotten. After two years, the, he, answered, he uh, explained the, the dreams of those two guys, and he tells the guy, look, when you get up there, tell him I'm down here. And for two years, he forgot. Those are trials. Those are hard things. And Joseph could have pined away in prison there and gotten bitter and angry and, you know, why? What, what's the use of serving God? Look what's happening. They've forgotten all about me. I'm down here. But, of course, that wasn't Joseph because he had, he had faith. So faith in God, faith in the true and living God. So let's turn to Habakkuk. Uh, if you don't have it open there, we're going to read the first three um, verses of chapter 2. Habakkuk, where are you? 
He's hiding out this morning. There he is. Habakkuk chapter 2. And Habakkuk's already gone through, you know, how can you look on all this evil and why are you doing, why are you bringing these Babylonians in and so on? And now we're going to get to some degree of resolution because Habakkuk now is trusting God. And that, that's what, that's what Bo yesterday was so good in pointing out that David, all the, Saul and all the Israelites, their eyes were on the circumstances. But David's eyes were on God. What a difference that makes when your eyes are on God. And here we have, uh, let me read just verses 1 to, two, 1 to 3. I, I will stand on my guard post, says Habakkuk, and station myself on the rampart. It's like a city, like a watchman looking out, looking, waiting. He wasn't necessarily looking for enemies here. Uh, I will keep watch to see how he will speak to me and how I may reply when I am reproved. Then the Lord answered me and said, Record the vision and inscribe it on tablets that the one who reads it may run, for the vision is yet for the appointed time. It, it hastens toward the goal and it will not fail. Though it tarries, wait for it, for it will certainly come. Those are three great verses about waiting on God, trusting God, and knowing that God is going to respond. First, what we're going to be looking at here is basically faith, trusting God, and, and the first thing we have is, well, I just read that, the first thing we have is committing your problem to God, the attitude of faith. Let me go back. Excuse me. I think I did. Yeah, the attitude of faith. Uh, having prayed now and cast his burden on God... Martin Lloyd-Jones, in his book, he said, we must go further and we must wait upon God. So Habakkuk goes up on this guard post. This is a beautiful thing that you can use in your life. Uh, I was working with a husband a while back whose wife was not responding, in fact, was constantly getting angry and everything, and he's like, what do I do? And I had been studying, this is earlier, been studying Habakkuk, and I said, you know what you can do? You can go up on your guard post and wait. And that's what Habakkuk does. He goes up on this post, figuratively or literally, probably figuratively here. He's, he's up there. He's looking up. He's not looking at the circumstances there. He's looking up. He's, he's on the heights. And that's what we need to join him when we don't understand what is going on. When we don't have a clue how to do whatever needs to be done, go up on your guard post and look to God. Wait on God. Who knows? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. There you go. Donna, would you say it real loud? Amen. And that's exactly what Habakkuk is doing here. He's up on that guard post. He's watching, and he's waiting, and he's trusting. He's trusting in God. Don't take matters into your own hands. Don't get all frustrated. Don't panic. Don't panic. But like Alex and Tanya, I'm sure there is an element of panic there, but there would be naturally. But we belong to God. God, God loves us. We're in his hands. Don't panic. So number one is commit your uh, problem to God. It's an important principle in the life of faith, having taken the problem to God, leave it there, center your thoughts on him, see what he will speak to you. That's what Habakkuk says. And I will keep watch to see what he will speak to me. Got this problem, but I'm going to trust God. I'm going to wait on him, committing my problem to him. The problem is, don't we, like, Give it to God, and then very naturally, we just take it back again. You know, you give it to God in the morning. By the time you're driving to work, you're already mulling over that thing again and grinding on it. Leave it with God. Martin Lloyd-Jones says, you have no right to brood over it any longer. We must come up out of the problem and take our stand looking to our true and living, loving, heavenly Father because he is sovereign. 
Don't we use that word all the time and we love it? He is sovereign, and we know that he makes no mistakes. Um, by the way, with your talking about... No, let's go to the next one. I'll, I'll bring, it, bring it in then. Uh, expect an answer. Let's see. Expect an answer from God, He's, because Habakkuk says, I will keep watch and see what he will speak to me, so that how I may reply when I am reproved, maybe reproved by other people like Jeremiah was. He was reproved by all of those Judeans there when Jeremiah said, you know, hey, we need to be willing to submit ourselves to the Babylonians. So Habakkuk here, so I have an answer. Expect an answer. I will keep watch to see. Our eyes are on God. Do you remember the king? Who, who knows the name of the king? The Moabites in mass were coming against Israel, and there was a king there who loved Jesus, loved the Lord, Jesus from a New Testament perspective, and he said, we don't know what to do. Any names coming up yet? Not quite. We don't know what to do. Our eyes are on you. And let me give you a reference. Did you say it? It was Jehoshaphat. Second Chronicles, if you want to star a verse, look at Second Chronicles chapter uh, 20. I found this this morning. All I could think about were eyes on you and Moabites, so I searched. Man, these search engines are great. Bible app search engines, the MacArthur little study guide, or study Bible. You just, you just do a search, and boom, you're there. You don't have to be spending all But anyway, look at chapter 20, verse, uh, what did I say, 12? Yeah, Jehoshaphat is praying. Uh, you notice chapter 20, Judah's invaded. Jehoshaphat is praying, and these Moabites... They're coming, and so verse 12, O our God, will you not judge them? This sounds like Habakkuk. Will you not judge them? For we are powerless before this great multitude who are coming against us, nor do we know what to do. But our eyes are on you. Remember that. That's a verse to star. I don't know what to do here, but my eyes are on, not the Moabites, but my eyes are on you. That's just a beautiful way to live. I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. Expect an answer from God. I will keep watch to see. Having prayed, looking for God's answer, he may answer. Now, how's he going to answer you and me? I mean, he spoke to Habakkuk. God's not speaking directly to us today. He's given us his Bible, and it's a, it's a complete, sufficient word. So how's God going to speak to you when you're looking to him? What are you going to be doing? It's not mystical. You're going to be looking for some answers. Where are you going to be looking for those answers? In the Bible. Yeah, you're, God will, you know, you'll be reading, and you'll be looking, and, ah, oh, here's what I need to do. Here's what, here's what God wants me to do. Or you may, uh, you may, Philippians 4, 6 and 7, be anxious for nothing. Some of you can finish these verses. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God, and the effect of it will be the peace of God will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Man, is that the way to live or what? So easy to be anxious. You know? And it's those trials that prove our faith, like, like Alex said. Th th these trials show our faith. They show us when our faith is weak. You know, if we just lose it and go bananas, okay, we've got to do some serious digging into the Word of God and studying it. So... Um, yeah, I have a caution here in my notes. Uh, oh, and, or, or his providential dealings. You know, I, I don't know what to do, and then something happens. Ooh, that's God's answer right there. Now, you've got to be a little careful that, there. I, I don't want to say don't do this, but you have to be careful. Be, here's the reason. We're not God. 
And so something happens that looks like, wow, that's God's answer. Maybe it is. But you've got to really evaluate that in the light of Scripture. Otherwise, you get into a, a, a mystical mindset that God's going to answer in, in weird and sort of strange ways. But the fact is that he is in charge. His invisible hand is at work all the time. Like Alex said, every molecule in the universe is under his control. So, And then thirdly is watch eagerly. Watch eagerly and persistently because Habakkuk says, uh, I will watch. I will keep watch. Thank you. I will keep watch. Each one of these words is so important. I will keep watch. Watch eagerly and persistently. Faith believes God's promise that he is, and not to always refer back to Alex, but he did such a, by the way, he spoke at that funeral, and it was so, his, his message was just so comforting, so good. God's grace was in his heart so, so much. But uh, here, he is our father, Faith believes God's promise. I will keep watch because he is our father. And he does love us. And he is concerned for his honor in our lives. Nothing so shows the character of our faith as our conduct and attitude after we have prayed. We pray and then we're going to keep watch. Our eyes are on you, Lord. We're, we're going to fight panicking. We're going to fight getting all worried and concerned. We're going to trust you, and we're going to let God's peace fill our hearts because we know. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe you're facing something. You may be facing some big Moabites, Chaldeans, whatever they are. It, you can. You can have God's peace ruling in your heart because God says you can. Philippians 4, 6, what is it, 6 and 7? 6 and 7. So get up into your watchtower and watch and keep watching and persistently watch. And we know that our God loves us and cares about us and he is in control. Uh, what more do we know about God that would encourage our faith that he will answer us. What do we know about God that will encourage us that, hey, he's got an answer for us? Any, anything? Can you think of anything? Besides the fact that he's our father, he's sovereign, he loves us. Anything else? He's all-powerful. You know, you just throw all the attributes into that bucket, right? All the attributes. The fact that he has answered prayers for people in the past. And the fact that he has been faithful to you in your past. Now you come up to this new thing. And, you know, maybe it is a, a, the loss of a loved one. I, I'm reading a book right now. I think I mentioned it last week. Hope in Life's Trials or something. And the, the, the author, it's very good. The author is a, a pastor. And his 14-year-old daughter, he was at work. His 14-year-old daughter is in track. And she's running. And she jumps a hurdle. And she falls down, and she basically falls of a heart attack and dies on the spot. Man, that is hard to handle. Great book. I'll bring it in a couple of weeks. Um, okay. Any thoughts on what we've looked at so far? Commit your problem to God, expect an answer, and keep watching. Let's go to the next. Faith rewarded. Faith rewarded. Verse, uh, verses 2 and 3, and this is God's answer, okay? We saw that. We already read it, but I'm going to read it again. Then the Lord answered me. Well, that's good right there. The Lord answered me, and he said, Record the vision, inscribe it on tablets, that the one who reads it may run. For the vision is yet for the appointed time. It hastens toward the goal, and it will not fail. Though it tarries, wait for it, for it will certainly come. It will not delay. Did God answer Habakkuk? Yes, he did. He's the living God. Did Baal answer the Baal prophets at Mount Carmel? No, he didn't. Why not? He doesn't exist. <laughs> but Habakkuk's Yahweh, the eternal and living God, exists, and he answered him. He's real. He's the real God who answers 
and he will always honor his promises sooner or later. And we're going to get into prophecy, kind of a little bit of a footnote here. In effect, God said to Habakkuk, it is all right, Habakkuk. I've heard your prayer. I understand your perplexity. Here's my answer. And here basically for Habakkuk was his answer two things. I have a plan for these Chaldeans that he will certainly bring about. And that certainly bringing about will be their judgment under the Medes and the Persians. That's later. That's not in the book of Habakkuk uh, directly. It is in other books. It's in other prophets. So the true nature of Let's look at prophecy here. The true nature of prophecy, because that's what is going on here. Uh, God's revelation to human beings, write their vision and make it plain, says God to Habakkuk. Write the, write the vision and make it plain. Now, let's just think about this. Prophecy, the Bible. The Bible, prophecy. Now, liberals... Don't believe in prophecy. Why? Because liberals don't believe God exists, and they don't believe that prophecy is possible. There is no way for an author, a human author, to write something down that's going to happen 70 years from now. There's no way for a human being to do that. And that's higher criticism. They reject the whole notion of miracles and prophecy. There's a lady, Etta Linneman. She was, she's still living. She's a German. She's a biblical scholar, Etta Linneman. You can find her on Amazon. And she was a higher critic. She was trained under the higher critic scholarship of Germany, and uh, she had library full of unbelief, unbelieving theology. And she taught in, 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 in school, in university. She taught her students that they should not believe that these prophecies, miracles, especially in the New Testament. She's a New Testament scholar. That these are real because, and she was taught this, when you study your New Testament, just keep in mind that the God it's talking about doesn't exist. That's higher criticism. It's purely human. It's man's efforts to determine the future or to, to take some guesses at the future. That's all it is. Guys that are, men that are skilled. And then Etta Linneman came to know Christ as her Lord and Savior. And it's a whole story. It's in uh, Hannah's uh, book, 50 Women, that we should know in church history. But anyway, she went in there and she threw all those liberal books into the trash. And she went to her students and she told them how wrong she had been. She now was a believer. And in fact, she went to basically what we would consider to be a Bible Institute, you know, basic training for, Christian, for Christians. Even though she had all this knowledge, she probably could have quoted the whole New Testament, but she did not learn it as a believer. So she went back to the basics, and, she, and she's still living today and still has that testimony of um, faith in Christ. Prophecy, the true nature of prophecy. Number one, prophecy is God's revelation to human beings. Write this vision and make it plain. You know, we're studying Hebrews. Some of you are studying Hebrews chapter one. God, who in various ways and sundry ways in, old, in the old times spoke to us through the prophets, he has now spoken. God speaks to us. Never forget it. God did not speak to Muhammad. God spoke through the prophets, and they wrote it down. The true nature of prophecy is God's revelation to human beings. Prophecy is God revealing truth to mankind. And it says even there, make it plain. God wants his revelation to be read and understood. God doesn't want his message to be encrusted with all kinds of traditions. This is what happened in the Middle Ages. And you, come back, you get up to the Reformation and the, uh, 
the uh, printing press is, is uh, invented, and pretty soon Martin Luther's reading the New Testament in Greek, and he learns the truth, and the Scripture comes alive in Europe, and it's a whole new world because the Bible is now plain. Luther translated into German so that those Germans could read the Bible, not in Latin, that only the priests could read, but in German so that everybody could read it. And we have a clue about that because the New Testament was written in Koine Greek, which Koine Greek is basically street language, common language, common Greek. It's not some classical Greek that only the scholars can understand. So prophecy, God's revelation to human beings, make it plain. Secondly, prophecy is a foretelling of uh, foretelling of events. God told Habakkuk two things long before they came to pass, the, inv the invasion of the Chaldeans and the utter destruction of the Chaldeans. God revealed this. Now, we're going to see that he gave time. I'm, we're going to, hang on, we're going to turn to a couple of passages. But uh, look, who can reveal the future? Well, God can. Well, who else can Nobody. Somebody with a what? I didn't hear that. Somebody that's been told? Well, yeah. Somebody that's been told the future. By whom? God. Yeah. Yeah. Just remember that. Only God. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen this afternoon. How many of you know for sure what's going to happen this afternoon? None of you. None, none of us do. Let alone tomorrow or the next year or whatever, but God does. Amazing. Why? He wrote the script. <laughs> he wrote the script. All things are working according to the plan, his, his sovereign plan. Foretelling of events. Uh, number three. Prophecy is certain of fulfillment. What does God say to Habakkuk here? He says in verse uh, let's see, verse 2, record the vision, inscribe it on tablets, that the one who reads it may run, for the vision is yet for the appointed time. It hastens toward the goal, and it will not fail. It is certain of fulfillment. Though it tarries, it wait for it, it will certainly come. Biblical prophecy has a tone of finality about it. It's not something that we, that the prophets debated. They wrote it, First Peter tells us this, they wrote it, and then they st stood back and said, what did I just write? They studied their own writings, trying to figure out what God was saying to them. Pretty cool. Sometimes, Pastor, sometimes they say, I don't have the words to really say what I saw. Didn't John say that? Well, yeah, because... He, he didn't have the words to say all that he saw, but he recorded it down the way God wanted us to see it. He couldn't describe it. Yeah, those are visions from God. And then and number four is a prophecy of his exact fulfillment. For the vision is yet for the appointed time. It hastens. And by the way, that word hastens is a neat Hebrew word, puah, P-U-A-H, puah. And it has the idea of breathing. It breathes or it pants after fulfillment. It pants toward the goal, to the, and it will not fail. Yes? The, uh, the text also uh, represents another one, maybe a number five, in that it says that the one who reads it may run. There is a motivating, invigorating, encouraging power that's good. Share it. Is that what you mean? Good. Yeah, that could be number five. What you read and learn and study, tell it. Um, and by the way, I just want to, real quick, we only have a few minutes, examples of prophecy that's been fulfilled in the past. What happened after 120 years? 
Thank you. The flood. The flood. What happened to Sodom and Gomorrah? It fell. Let me give you some other things. At the end, Exodus 12, 41, quote, And at the end of 430 years, to the very day, it says in your Bible, to the very day, all the hosts of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. How long was Israel, Habakkuk is 580, he's, he's right at the time before the Babylonians took Judah into captivity. How long did they take Judah into captivity for? Seventy years. Look at Jeremiah 29.10. Jeremiah 29.10. I'm going to read it. For thus says the Lord, when seventy years have been completed for Babylon... I will visit you and fulfill my good word to you to bring you back to this place. Guess what? It happened. If you go to Daniel chapter 9, Daniel's reading the book of Jeremiah, and Daniel starts... Let's see... Verse 2, in the first year of his reign, talking about Ahasuerus, this is after the Persians had taken over, I, Daniel, observed in the books the number of the years which was revealed as the word of the Lord to Jeremiah. Seventy years for the completion of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely, seventy years. Seventy years. What about prophecies about Christ's first coming? Were they fulfilled perfectly? Of exact fulfillment? It will not fail? Did God take guesses? Did he guess? I think he's going to be born in Bethlehem. But you might check over there in Nazareth. He might still... None of that. What else was prophesied? He's going to be born in Nazareth. He's going to be born of a virgin. Not a bone broken. What was it? He'll come on a donkey into Jerusalem. John the Baptist will prepare the way. Judas would betray him. I mean... Many, many, many prophecies about that first coming that were fulfilled. Even the crucifixion. He was, he was crucified. I think Psalm 22 indicates the crucifixion there. I mean, do you believe your Bible? Okay, uh, this, is, this is just taking it from what we've just studied. The Bible, your Bible, and that's what I'm emphasizing this morning from uh, Martin, Luther, Martin Lloyd-Jones' uh, study here. Your Bible is absolutely trustworthy because of, you've got some blanks there, let me just fill them in, amazing unity. Amazing unity. How many men, how many authors of the Bible? Forty. Over how many years? Two thousand. Two thousand years. In how many countries? At least three. At least three. One story. Forty. It's a library. It's a library. One story, Genesis to Revelation, creation, sin, redemption, and consummation. Uh, historical accuracy. Uh, these are just facts about your Bible that we just rejoice in. Uh, for many, many years, they didn't think the Hittites existed. The Bible talked about these Hittites. Hittites don't even exist. Proves the Bible's clunky old book. It doesn't know what it's talking about. Sure enough, they found out not only do the Hittites exist, but it was a huge kingdom in Asia Minor. Uh, archaeological discoveries, it, that just keeps on happening. They keep on digging up things, and it's got David's name on there, or Judah on there, or all kinds of verification. We don't need all these proofs, by the way. We don't need all these. If there was never an archaeological discovery that has an, a, a Bible name on it, that, that doesn't affect our faith. Our faith is given to us by God. But look, 
Scientific accuracy. What does the Bible say the earth hangs on? Thank you. Nothing. Don't forget that. It hangs on nothing. Job says that. What does the Bible say? How does the Bible say God created uh, all the living creatures in Genesis chapter 1 according to their... What do we know that kind consists of? DNA. Do dogs ever become muskrats or... Um, what's that thing that came into our basement and climbed up the stairs onto our kitchen table? Uh, raccoon? No. Possum. Do dogs ever become possums? Do men become women? Do women become men? Scientific accuracy, just in that little place, along with everything else. Uh, fulfilled prophecy, all the way down to the hair on his head, because doesn't it talk about they will pluck his beard? Watch out, Dan. Christ and the apostles' absolute confidence in the Old Testament. Jesus quotes from Deuteronomy. He quotes from Genesis 1 about it. It was not so from the beginning. God made them male and female. And then providential preservation. That is that God preserved his... Imagine if we didn't have a Bible. Imagine if at some point... 200 years after Christ was here, the Roman Empire tried to get rid of all Scripture, and they succeeded. All Scripture was gone. Imagine. We've got to wait on God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for these indications to, or these teachings to Habakkuk, that your word will come to pass in, in exactness, in exactness, we have an exact God. Thank you. Thank you that we can trust you. We can look to you. We can get up on that high place when we don't know what to say or do, and we can trust you. And you will answer our prayers. You will fulfill your plan for us. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen.